you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Check football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to episode number 176 of the Dave Damashek football program. Available as always on iTunes and at nfl.com. Slash Sheck, S-H-E-K. Good show lined up for you. We have from around the league, Dan Hans, who's coming in here. Fantasy guru, the Hall of Famer himself, Michael Fabiano, coming in here. We're going to talk some NFC East and AFC West. But we had the opportunity to grab our pal Darren Sharper, and I want to talk about this Riley Cooper stuff. So we're going to start the show with that. And by the way, before we jump into that ugly subject, a a quick little uh, self-promotion here. Go on to NFL.com, and uh, our pal Warren Sapp is getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, as you know, later on uh, or uh, on Sunday. Or no, he gets inducted on Saturday, then the game's on Sunday. Either way, he jumped into the sports car with me. That's available for you. We took a spin around Culver City. We talked about this, that, and the other, including what exactly he and Brett Favre were talking about when they were y- yapping at each other. Is this a real sports car that you're driving around in? No, it's sports car. <laughs> what makes it sportsy is are, are the guys who I bring into it. Okay. When you do go. you get? Well, here he is, everybody. You watched sports him play. You, you saw him win a Super Bowl with those Saints not very long ago. Yeah, we have a picture of it here uh-huh. in Studio 66. Yeah, should, that should be a picture of the pick. Maybe, yeah, or maybe that is a picture of the pick, it and maybe be. that's you, because I see Roman Harper back uh-huh. there in the background as Peyton Manning throws the ball in that Super Bowl. Maybe Darren Sharper knocks this pass down there. <laughs> uh, no, I did not. Did you play a good game in that one? Uh, average. Really? Yeah, average. I was actually just hoping that game could go as fast as it possibly could, because I just wanted to win. I was kind of ailing. You know, I had knee surgery after the game, about a month after that season. Huh. And I just wanted to win, and I was just like, from the entire year was so long and so much energy was put into that season. I was just like, just exhausted. And I just wanted that game to be over. So when Tracy got that interception, I wasn't thanking him because we were pretty much locked to win that game. It was like, thank you. I could kind of relax now and take a, <laughs> an exhale because I was just, I was worn out. Body was beat up. That's interesting. I, you know, I, well, you know what, Black Tie, start the music. Let's jump into it. If we're talking about behind the scenes of the Super Bowl, this is, I want to get the player's opinion on other things. It's time for the latest indi- edition of Inside Out. This is Inside Out. Tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. See, Inside Out, Darren Sharper, as you know. I have my thoughts, my hypotheses. There are myths out there 
among the fans, but you as a player can debunk them or validate them. That's what Inside Out's all about. Let's talk about that Super Bowl a little bit in the two weeks leading up to the game. Mm -hmm. Did you guys say, listen, Peyton Manning, there's all this mystique and so on and so forth, but the fact of the matter is in big games, he gambles and we can maybe take advantage of that. Well, we felt like we could take advantage of of any quarterback uh, prior to those to the Super Bowl. We had faced Kurt Warner. Uh, We had chances and made plays against him. Uh, We played Brett Favre, who we know is a gunslinger is going to give you opportunities to make plays. We looked at the tape and just felt like he didn't have a lot of weapons to get the ball to. So we could take away the majority of the people he wanted to go to. He had Dallas Clark, um, Pierre Garçon, who was a young receiver at that time, Reggie Wayne. We felt like we could always take away Reggie because we could double or bracket him and limit the amount of people that he could throw the ball to, which in tail would force him to make bad decisions if we apply pressure to him. So that was our game plan uh, going into that week. Did we say that we think or could predict that Peyton Manning was going to make mistakes? No, uh, because he's such a great quarterback, a cerebral quarterback. Um, He pretty much is thinking ahead of you. Uh, But we know that if we applied pressure, took away his threats that he wanted to get the ball to, uh, we were able to make plays because he he didn't have anywhere to go with the ball. When Sean Payton at halftime, who was the halftime act? Do you remember? Well, halftime is uh, outside. Yeah, who's playing? Was it... No. You don't know. This it, is no, the big moment not. of your career. Jan- you don't know who's playing. Is it somebody I wanted to see? Was it Janet Jackson? No, it wasn't Janet. No, she, wasn't the Beyonce, boob no, game. It was, <laughs> the boob game was like a few years it? before that. I don't know. I don't know either, but I wasn't playing in the biggest yeah. game of my well, career. I knew I wasn't going to be able to watch it. I so, see. Yeah. You know, it didn't matter who You was couldn't hear it from the locker could room? could not hear anything. Sean Payton walks in. How quickly does he say we're going to do an onside kick to start the second half? Um, I think towards the end of his speech, because it was so long, first he came in and said, okay, you guys, we have some time, uh, relax, get hydrated. And then we just kind of sat around. I mean, some guys kind of looked and got their iPads out, you know, started watching some movies. Uh, what? <laughs> no. <I'm joking. laughs> Listen. But that's it. You could actually watch about a 30-minute episode. Some of the stories <laughs> I've heard about, like, the the, the meal times at yeah. halftime, I'm like, what? That's yeah, what could, you guys are doing you could, at halftime? You, do, you could do a bunch of things. But um, I, when he came back and gave his speech, uh, it was more like, okay, we're going to go out here. We're going to, you know, always the same thing, you know, execute. And then towards the end where he said we're going to start off with um, the name that he gave for it. It was some like maybe Navajo, some type of weird name he gave for the onside kick that we had practiced the entire week and weeks up to that during the playoffs. And he said, we're going to go out. We're going to start off the, start off the second half with that. And everybody's like, okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's did everybody like that? Or yeah, did anybody no think doubt. like, this is uh-uh, not we, a great we, idea? No, we were behind our coach 110%. So whatever he said, we were going to follow. That's awesome. Yeah, that was uh, that was obviously a great thing. Yeah. People forget Super Bowl thirty. The Steelers Cower called a, an onside kick that was successful, was and the really? Steelers almost uh, yeah the Steelers almost came back in that game yeah. too. People seem to think that that was like the only onside kick that ever worked, but <laughs> obviously you guys won. That's what distinguishes. The only thing you, you remember is the most recent memory. Yeah. You know who do you, by the way who do you root for? And then we're talking Riley Cooper here. We got to get to the ugliness here. Riley, who do you root for though? If the Vikings. The Packers and the Saints are all in the NFC playoffs. Who are you rooting for to emerge? Ooh. As I said, the best memory is the most recent memory, so I'll be going for the Saints hmm. probably because I have a lot more friends that are still on the Saints team, so I'll be rooting for them. What do you think about the Vikings' new uniforms? Are they new? Oh, is it this year they're new or was it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, I did see that. I was just, I was you just played saying, Favre in the ugly one that they yeah, wore for like five or the, six years. I wore the ugly ones also. But um, I went to training camp uh, Monday and covered the Vikings. I didn't get a chance to see them, but I heard the training staff say, the equipment guy, excuse mm-hmm. me, that they had new new uniforms. And they, they, liked, they liked them. I didn't get a chance to see them. They're though. better than what they have been wearing for the last few years. All right. Yeah. If we have time, I'd love to hear more about the Vikings. But uh, first, let's talk about this Riley Cooper thing. What's going to be here now, practically? Every, you know, I am offended. Maybe I, I don't think it really makes me much of a cynic. I, I may be a cynic in general. But in this case, I find it offensive. Obviously, Riley Cooper is offensive, you know, throwing, uh, throwing the word around. But beyond that, I don't like this sort of institutionalized thing of, like, obviously somebody in the Eagles said, now, look, you got to make an apology. Here's what you need to say. 
we're going to get you help. You got to get you got to go for counseling. I mean, what do you think about it? To me, that's how, oh, oh, wait, Riley Cooper's going to be told, like, hey, racism is wrong, and here's why. Or, hey, you're not a racist if we're going to operate under that delusion that, Mm -hmm. yeah, this is the first time he's ever said that. Mm -hmm. Even if you buy that, what are they going to tell him? Like, hey, we're going to counsel you. Like, this is why you shouldn't say that word. What do you make of all? You know, I think it's more of the process of trying to let him or teach him what he said and how big of an impact that it was and and you know culturally um you know in the community um socially that is part of that healing process okay if we've seen the guy uh knows that he did something and, and said something wrong and he's taking steps to hopefully ensure that it does not happen again i understand what you're saying that we're not going to change the guy that's about 25 years of age who he has come who who he is is where he is right now, and he is has developed into the person that he's going to be uh, for the rest of his life. Uh, but this is just part of the process, uh, and something have, how he's paying his diligence back, his due diligence, saying, "Okay, I know I did something wrong. I'm gonna go and get counseling for that. Will it change him as a person? I would guess that it would not. But that's the same thing that you do anyone that might be convicted of something." They always have a, a period of time in which they go and have to, you know, do a counseling, talk to people that so that they can ensure or try to ensure that they don't make the same mistakes over again. It's, you know, again, yes, I am. I am cynical. I do think that it's, you know, it's not the panacea. It doesn't make Riley Cooper as a human being. But besides that, it's at least a start to for people to be reminded. Same thing as Paula Dean a couple months ago. It, you, you can't snap your fingers and say, hey, Paula Dean, don't be racist. Hey, everybody who's racist, cut that out. Mm-hmm. At the very least, though, if it curbs the use of words like that, it's at least a small step. So at least mm-hmm. uh, in general, that's a good thing. And as a fan, you you, you mentioned if you're convicted of something. I'm not conflating Riley Cooper with uh, with what Aaron Hernandez is accused of. Mm-hmm. As a fan, it, it it raises a bunch of questions about like who are you going to root? For? Who are you rooting for? Are mm-hmm. the are these people? Are these human beings that you want to be like? Yeah, and, and there are a lot of fans right. who are like, as long as they win, I don't care. Uh-huh. I'm, I kind of am not that way. I don't want to be too. I don't want to get up on Mount Pius. But as a player now, practically, before we get to games when he's actually playing other teams. What about the locker room now? We're hearing Shady McCoy. We've seen other guys say things like, this is not over with. The Eagles can say whatever they want. Right. This is a legitimate issue. Would you? Let's say it's you. Would you go up to Riley Cooper and be like, what the hell? Would you punch him? Would you be like, hey, we're going to be cool. We're teammates. Well, how, how do you treat that? It would definitely, definitely change my outlook on him as a person. No doubt. I would look at him differently. Um you know, I knew it was going to be players that were going to come out. Initially, they talked to Michael Vick, and I, I knew the stance that Michael Vick was going to take uh, because of things he's gone through. And also, he wanted to keep that team chemistry mm-hmm. together. But I knew once this kept going day after day and we started to talk to other players, some people were going to let their true feelings express their true feelings of displeasure and what he said uh, because there are so many different things uh, culturally with the plight of certain cultures, whether it's African-American community, um, whoever it might be. Uh, and there are so many undertow, under, uh, underlining effects of what people have gone through in their lifetime that when they see someone come out and use this word and, and, and in the, 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 the way he used it, the context in which he used it, I think is probably the most appalling thing. You know, I've been around, you know, several different type of races and have heard people use that term. Um, Sometimes they use it in an endearing fashion. Um, Sometimes they use it in a demeaning fashion. Uh, How I when I watched that video, how he used it was very degrading and very demeaning. And he was confronted. And we know once you're confronted, you're going to say whatever you want to say to try to affect the person that you're confronted with. And your true feelings and your true expressions are going to come out. So. People, I'm not the only one that's thinking this. Guys in the locker room have these same type of sentiments. So you can understand that guys like Shady McCoy, when they say this is not over with yet, um, other players that are going to have problems having Riley Cooper in their locker room, when they see him day after day, they're not going to look at him as, okay, this is a guy that might catch touchdown passes for us. They're going to look at him as a racist because of what he said. Yeah, and, well, but I understand. And, and the Eagles, I guess rightly, are the, the coaches – 
are reportedly saying, hey, team first. This is all about the team and what we're trying of to build. Course, they have what are you going to do? That. Right. They have to. Yes. They have to. They have to spin it in that fashion. But, look, I, I, you know, are the players. How about in practice? Are they gonna are, are, are guys are, are are the secondary guys gonna gonna try to belt him in practice? Well, try I mean, I don't know about all that. I, uh, maybe in the game, someone from the opposing team might do that. It all depends on the relationship that he has with the players on his team now, uh, and, and that can kind of be the deciding factor on whether or not they take shots at him. But as far as the team, I know the coaching staff is not going to allow that to happen. I think the team, in order for them to want to win games, they're not going to look at this and say, okay, now we're not going to worry about winning games. We're going to try to take this guy out, regardless if he's a teammate or not. I don't think that's going to be the case. But well, let, let me I ask believe- you about that. Do you think that the, do you think that the position coach – says uh, the first practice after this does he get the the defenders together and say no. listen i don't want I, I if i see anybody head hunting on riley cooper there's going to be they're going to be repercussions I, you know i don't know the position position coach so it's hard for me to say I, I don't know him personally to say what he might do um i would assume i don't know if that will be brought up in the discussion um regardless of if a coach tells you that a player still has his <laughs> can do things on his own. You know, I don't think they can say, "Okay, if we see you taking a shot on Riley Cooper, we're going to find you." You know, it can be within the within the context of the game and the context of a practice uh, that he might try to you know kind of have his eye to where Riley Cooper might be and say, "Okay, I'm going to get this guy if I see him coming to my area." And then you know, how do you say that's not football, just being football, or is that because of what he said? Um, so it, it's going to be. A lot of interesting factors in that, but it is going to be interesting, like you say. I mean, when they play regular, well, actually in the preseason mm-hmm. and, and and as you get into the regular season, I you know, I can you practically, you know, we always hear about you know Jack Tatum and those old Raiders, uh, you know, the seventies head hunting guys. How can you practically decide? I'm going to hurt this guy. I'm going to really. You know, I know you're with the Saints and all we mm-hmm. the whole bounty mm-hmm. scandal. Can you target a guy and say, yeah, when you get a chance, let's put a lick on this guy, this aggro yeah. white guy with the ponytail who yeah, who uses that word? Let's really teach him a lesson. No, it, it's too tough to do that and say prior to the game, pregame, that during this game we're going to try to take this guy out. You never know what situation the guy's going to be in. You don't know if he's going to be playing. You don't know if he's just going to run you know, deep routes the entire game. So it's too tough to say, okay, we're going to try to take a shot and take this guy out. It's, it's just too difficult within the, the, the framework of a football game because so many things are happening. If you're worried about one receiver and trying to take him out, it's going to be other receivers that are going to blow right past you. <laughs> so you're mm-hmm. going to end up you're not, not playing your best game if you're so focused in on one player. You have to really pretty much just worry about the game plan, worry about doing whatever you need to do to win that game. Um, but, you know, it might be some words said, some some words exchanged from player to player uh, and, and guys voicing their displeasure to him. They might – I know I can guarantee some defensive backs will say something to him and will have a type of thought process about him when they're going up against him and say, okay, this is the guy that I heard, you know, in the video clip say these words. So uh, my blood might be going a little – my blood might be a little hotter when I'm facing this guy than it would be facing somebody else. It's going to be interesting, the the PR repercussions once you get into the season. If somebody – if if a black DB really lays a, a really harsh lick on Riley Cooper, let's say he gets – But it's, it's too tough to say that that's because of Well, that's going to be said, the issue, though. You know? But, I mean, that's going to – you know, listen, they already levy fines and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. What is – imagine now, Darren Sharper puts a lick on Riley Cooper mm-hmm. – and then the league finds you for it, or you know, as as they typically would. Mm-hmm. Then there is going to be a discussion whether it's it's deserved or not. People are going to then ask you, no, "Hey, did you do no. that? Was that motivated because of what he said?" And well, are you then then the NFL in a weird way will be demonized? Like, well, listen, he's doing something that, that a man would do. <laughs> no, a man, no. a man steps up and <laughs> and, and uh, defends what we're, he thinks is a fact. We're, you know? we're going outside the box. Well, now. this is going to have you yeah. wait and see. But no, but I don't, the first I, guy who does yeah, that to him see, is going to have to answer those questions. You know, we're talking weeks down down the road here, and. You know, how fresh it's going to be in, in, in these defenders' minds, we don't know. Uh, and to say they're going to just definitely go after this guy. I didn't say I they're definitely going to. I'm saying if, the reporters, No, the reporters will ask him, did you hit him? Was there something more and, I mean, behind but, but that hit? The, that's He's going to have to answer that's a, it. That's a, that's a, yeah, they're going to have to answer it, but that's an empty question because all they're going to say is, no, I'm just playing football. Same thing as when you get fined for a hit that's deemed illegal, and then you go in front of the, uh, the, 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 the people that are you know judging on whether or not they're going to find you or not, the committee. 
and you say, I'm just playing within the framework of the game. You know, the whistle is still going on. I was trying to just play my game, play football, be play tough and physical. And they say, well, we think you're a little bit, you know, a little bit on the outside edges of these rules mm-hmm. by this hit. This is going to be the same thing when they talk about if, if someone takes a shot at Riley Cooper. So it's going to be too tough. It's going to gonna be a tough. And it's going to always be uh, objective and, and subjective to see uh, whether or not. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's going to be interesting that, 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 that when they're considering levying a fine, they're going to say, listen, we might get a little bit of blowback for doing this to that DB if we no, find because they'll it. say that's always in the safe, trying to promote the safety of the game, mm-hmm. and that's going to be their go-to. Would you, as it should be, if you were with the Eagles brass, would you say we should maybe get rid of this guy? Because it's going to yeah, be hard I, for I us would. to build the team, the yes, brotherhood. I, I definitely would. And 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 the thing that was brought up to me was, you know, not necessarily what he said and and how it affected the black community, but let's say he says any type of whether it's uh, any type of, of racial racial slur towards any other type, whether it would be Jewish, whether it could be Hispanic, whether it could That's be... That's not going to be much of an issue in the NFL. Well, no, I'm saying... There are not it, very many Jewish guys. In but, the, the owner, but the owner, <laughs> no, I know, you know, I know, the I know. owner of the Eagles is Jewish. That's would there be a different type of repercussions if that was said? So it's interesting that's, to me... Wow, that's a really great point. Wow, that's fascinating. If, if that was said, but... In my opinion, yeah, I would have to. <laughs> You're so if right if general, he would have said. If I was general manager, I would have to get him uh, off the team because I'll be worried too much about team chemistry. Well, that's exactly right. You know, I think that on, uh, like you say, they have to. The coaching staff has to spin it in a certain direction because they're now whatever three weeks, four weeks away from kickoff of the mm-hmm. regular season, a new era with Chip Kelly and all that. But we, but, we if Jeremy are, Maglin didn't get hurt, though, I bet you they would get rid of him. Or if he was a guy that was putting up a thousand yards a, a season, would they think about getting rid of him? I don't think so. But now, kind of a guy that's on a bubble, does this affect him making this football team? So we'll see if he's even on the Eagles uh, when it comes to regular season game one. Just, one of the, just one to of, jump in, there were reports that he could have ended up being the number two with Macklin being out. So I wonder okay. how this affects Yeah, this. well, that's exactly right. It's like I say with, with – with, Well, I know the Eagles need as many receivers as they possibly can get. So right. he probably will have a good shot of making Well, one thing that has proven that you and, uh, and, and the other guys who we talk with when we do this inside-out segment is one thing that has been – proven not to be a myth but is as important as anything like you say is team chemistry and that feeling of brotherhood in the mm-hmm. locker room and letting go of whether it's even somebody who's been charged with you know felonies and all that kind of stuff is letting all that stuff go and being the yes. team and everything this to me is I, I again i'm not comparing it with being you know with with felonies and you know uh, violent crimes and anything but it's dumb one mm-hmm. right it's just dumb to be going through the, the 21st century and thinking that that's acceptable and you're not going to get Correct. busted with cell phones and everything else but beyond it just indicates stupidity as an individual but beyond that that now in the locker room it just seems like you should get rid of him for football reasons mm-hmm. not not to make a pious stand one but but I'll, to but because yeah. like you say practically now the, who's going to want to play with this guy one thing also too that I want to make a comment I don't want to hear about the compassion that he showed and 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 the fact of what he said because this happened a month ago so if you really have compassion and are really distraught over what you did you say that you bring this up the next day to your head coach and say coach Mm -hmm. there's a situation that i got caught in that might come and come into the public eye of me saying something that could be caught on video so is he upset that he said what he said or is he upset of that he got caught. Yeah, of course. And these these scripted answers, these scripted uh, statements that they make, it's just so phony. And it's for whose benefit? That's that's mm-hmm. what I, I, it's a, who's fooled by that? Nobody. So we're all adults, and we know that he said something stupid, something he probably believes. And even if he doesn't deep down believe it, what well, well, we need that PR nonsense for this <laughs> this spin of like I deeply regret, and of course yeah. it betrays who I am in my heart. Oh, listen, it's all part of the process. Though, it's <laughs> part of the process. <laughs> all right, listen, Darren Sharper. It's always a delight. A handsome devil, and he's got a good brain on the inside of that uh, that beautiful puss. Um, <laughs> we'll continue to enjoy your work on NFL Network. Scram now, fellas! Yes, I'm gone. All right, let's do more inside out though. You see, it's a good segment there. Black tie, hard hitting. There goes Darren Sharper. What do you think, Black tie? Good stuff, man. Darren knows what he's talking about. When it, I don't it's know good, what I'm it's talking about, it's good to have about. someone in here who's uh, who's knowledgeable about the game. It's, it's I great. think that stinks that you say that to me. I know what I'm talking about too. I didn't say some interesting things. No, I'm just messing around. With me. it, it was. I mean, obviously, what Cooper did was 
was dumb, like you said. It's just the stupidity of a man thinking that he could, for one, get away with it if you're in public. In today's day and age, it's like, okay. Um, but, it shows, um, right. That's Listen, and, and you can debate. It's almost moot. Listen, I, on a larger scale, when you transcend the guy and, and his stupid remark, it... Uh, you know, I uh, I don't want to get uh, again. I don't want to send up on Mount Pius, but at least there's something a, a learnable moment, as uh, as President Obama calls it, or a teachable moment. See, I don't even say. I guess I'm not. Uh, I say I'm not much of a sponge when it comes to learning. But anyway, learning or teachable moment, either way. Yes, this is another reminder. How dumb can you be? You know, you're 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 an adult and you're running around talking like that in in. 2013, whatever you get, you deserve, fella. But besides that, maybe it helps other people. And if you know, again, you're not going to make people not racist by telling them stop being racist, cut that out. Or go, let's go for counseling for a week or two. Yes, just like the San Diego mayor is going to is his uh, his uh, bizarre approach with women. Yes, we'll we'll just teach or Tiger Woods. Yes, we'll 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 take away whatever ills you have with uh, a week or two of counseling. Ridiculous. But the the but like you say, yes. I don't know. And I, I was interested that Sharper this close to the season, he gets it from a football player, from a professional football player's perspective that the team would it would be a major loss to have a guy this close kicked off the team right right when you lose Jeremy Macklin. I find it intriguing that he agrees that yes, you would you get rid of this guy because it's going to corrupt the locker room. Yes, and a lot of uh, reports are coming out of Philly. Jeff McClain is a beat writer for the Eagles, and uh, he's he just put up an article about how the locker room is seemingly divided over this issue, and who knows, it might get worse. So I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a potential implosion. The one question I didn't get to ask uh, Sharper that I wanted to is whether a PR guy has ever written an apology for Sharper or for one of his teammates. That's the question I'd love answered because those things are so phony in general. When, uh, first of all, Ben Roethlisberger, when he, you know, got charged the second, or he didn't get charged. And for the record, he's never been, he's never been charged with a crime. People like to say, to point that out when he gave that, you know, sort of like a shrug and then the Steelers got to him and, said listen fella your behavior is ridiculous and then he gave that that formal press conference and it was like well all we know is is that ben roethlisberger didn't say this he read it but he didn't write these words obviously we've heard him interviewed yeah. it's, um it's just what society accepts i mean look at twitter for example like whenever someone tweets something dumb the, the go-to is oh my twitter got hacked it's like the usual response that we all know isn't true but for some reason there's a part of society that I guess that believes or buys that sort of stuff, so like they have to do it. They feel well, obliged. Well, to. What I, what's interesting to me too, and then uh, we'll we'll uh, get Dan Hanzus up here to talk about uh, some lighter subjects. But like I mentioned, you know, when you get outside the locker room from a fan's perspective, i everybody has a sort of a gallows humor about these sorts of things. You know, that not everybody, but there's a section of fans that'll tweet at me. You know, if a steal, you know, uh, with me being. Uh, uh, not hiding the fact that I'm a Steelers fan. If a Steeler gets into any sort of trouble, I'll get a lot of tweets from strangers. Ha ha! Well, like what? It's funny that there's a guy. But that there is that sort of back and forth now with uh, with this. And as an organization, like we said when the Aaron Hernandez thing went down, when when the charges were made against him, you have to give the Patriots organization credit for handling it about as well as they could. I think they kicked him to the curb very quickly. And distance themselves from them. And again, a racist crack is not the same as the charges that Hernandez has been charged with. But the Eagles also have to, from a PR standpoint, just like they did with Mike Vick, have to then think about the fact that the way they're going to be regarded if they retain this guy, that they're carrying this guy on their team. It's a lot to uh, consider with, uh, with the Eagles. And Sharper, what a great point that is, you know, the Eagles owner is Jewish. What if it was an anti-Semitic crack? I guarantee you, you're right. Or Sharper's right. Riley Cooper wouldn't be on the team today. All right, listen. We can flap our gums about this uh, grim subject. I'm sure uh, everybody, everyone under the sun has been talking about it for the last 48 hours. So we'll leave it uh, alone for now and move on to some other stuff with our old pal from around the league. You listen to Dave 
Bullshit. All right, here he is, everybody, back in the seat. He, like his cohort from around the league, I feel like has become a little bit of a fancy pants himself. He's too busy doing his own podcast these days. You can find it on iTunes. It's the Around the League podcast three times a week even. And it's him, it's Rosenthal, it's uh, Mark Sessler, the aforementioned Fancy Pants, the original Mr. Fancy Pants there, talking about this, that, and the other, augmenting their already stellar work at NFL.com, around the league site, uh, you know, all the news, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, like Riley Cooper and his remarks earlier this week. It's Dan Hanzoos. What's the poop, fella? Uh, what's the poop? There isn't a lot of poop. Right now, but I will tell you this. First of all, there quick, isn't. It no. seems like every there's actually four a, minutes there's big news. There's actually a solid amount of poop. Uh, but Chris Wessling is also part of the podcast. Oh, that's right, yes. Chris Wessling. At some point, we got to get him up here. Um, but I do want to say while I'm here because I haven't been here in a little while. Yeah, that I speak on behalf of Mark. Thank you very much for giving us the platform initially on the Dave Damashek football program that has now spun into its own Joni Loves Chachi type thing on the uh, Around the League podcast. Let's hope it's more Laverne and Shirley than Joni Loves Chachi if we're talking <laughs> Happy Day spinoffs. All right, fella, let's kibitz about a couple of things here. Um, first of all, what did you think about the Pro Bowl announcement earlier in the week? Kamish Goodell, his heart is in the right place. He's trying to salvage this game. Like your pal Wessling mentioned in a little post that he did for around the league it sort of misses the 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 real problem with the game which is that the players don't want to be in it and i don't blame them because in a contact sport listen this isn't the baseball all-star game where you're not going to wind up getting ruined you know unless you're atley hamaker mentally uh, you probably are too young to even remember atley hamaker right no, i do not remember you don't atley. get that reference no that one was he a was deep. a giants pitcher who i think it was 1983 was the starting pitcher for the national league and got shelled yeah in the first inning and never was right again never well, i mean it just destroyed him emotionally to the extent that he was not the same guy ever again that's depressing although the one that you usually hear is roy fossey the old catcher that got run over by pete rose and blew out his shoulder and was never the same after that. ray fossey that was a physical Ooh, yes, injury ray. but that happens rarely but football i don't blame these guys i threw out and look it up nfl.com slash shack s-h-e-k i posted my alternative now if you've listened to this podcast before then you've probably heard me flap my gums about this this is a long-standing but gangbusters idea i say let's do away with it and the pro bowl and then replace it with the loser bowl the loser bowl would be played between the two worst teams in the league the winner gets the first overall pick in the draft upcoming and you play it out on some burnt out Pro, you know, junior high field. <laughs> you get the worst band you can find, the worst rock band in the world to to play the halftime Stained. show. Stain. Yeah. That's a good option. I said Eve Six, but I think Stain. <laughs> That's good punch up there. How say you on my grand idea, or are you, or do you think this new Pro Bowl idea no. works? All right, we'll start with your idea. I think uh, it's brilliant. I, I said it on the Around the League podcast on Wednesday. I agree that that would – see, the biggest fundamental problem with the Pro Bowl, and, and Wes touched on it and you have as well, is the competition element of it. Guys aren't going to sell out their bodies and put their careers on the line in the sport of football where you could play a baseball game hard and not risk your uh, career. Can't do that in the NFL. So – you put the, the loser bowl, changes all the stakes. There would be a lot of, I guess, loops to get through in terms of paying guys an extra salary for another game. I don't know, all those type of things. But who says no to that, really? I, you know, I think it's fascinating. And then here's the detract. It's one of your best ideas. I once mentioned it to Peter King, and he gave, it, he, he gave a serious-minded answer to it, and I appreciated really? it. He said, here's the problem. What if a guy is the incumbent quarterback, you love your Jets. What if they have a year and somehow Mark Sanchez makes it through as the starting quarterback? What incentive, and they hadn't taken Geno Smith, or maybe Geno Smith reveals himself to be an abject bust. Right. So now, a, a, a year from now, they're looking for a quarterback again. What incentive does Mark Sanchez have to play well in that game? Well, hey, that's part of the coach's decision then. Hmm. That's part of the intrigue. Yeah, listen. Oh, so wait. If I play well and we win this game, I'll give us the first overall pick so you can take Teddy Bridgewater and replace me kind right. of thing? If you are, and going with the Jets a little further, if the Jets, 
in the 2013 season, go 4-12, and they're in this game, and you're a linebacker on the Jets, and you have that clowny kid in college, you know, primed as the number one pick. Ah. Are you really going to be battling hard to, you know, get to the opposing quarterback when that, hey, that could be everybody taking your job? You know, what, what, and people say, well, that, see, that's why you can't do that. I say. Whatever, though. I, I'm still in. I, I say so what? Yeah. Listen, everything you have to decide. Every game you have to decide. Well, what they do really well is this. Are we still going to? They're, they're the best run-stuffing team in the league, so we better just not run the ball. That's a calculation, a strategic move you have to make. Same thing with this game. It's a mm. great idea. I love it. Perpetuate it, would you? Now that you got your own podcast, I will. I'm going to continue to push it. I will push it. All right, we'll see. I'll listen. The <laughs> proof will be in the pudding. Will you? All right. Now, our main man, Warren Sapp, is getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. The sports car is out there. Take a look at it. I, by the way, speaking of the sports car with Warren Sapp, I was very happy to see you survive that. <laughs> I didn't know if things could have one question. All of a sudden, you you know, you're never seen things again. Turn. I'm very happy that you're back. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm, I'm safe and sound. Sap and I are old pals. You know, like we had a great time, as, as you could see by watching that. In fact, <laughs> if you watch it, I don't want to spoiler alert, but, you know, he even said he's going to get an extra gold jacket for himself. So he has one to, to go through <laughs> the, the weekly wear and tear. The other one will stay pristine. He said, well, he's getting that one. He's going to get me one, too. That's nice of him. That's awesome. I'm glad you didn't ask the wrong question. That's all. Now, listen, let's talk about another thing. Pro Bowl, a great question that we got from... Devin, DTW underscore 94 at Twitter. Let's lose the underscore, people. Our society is better than that. If your name is Devin, you always do well with ladies, right? That's yeah, but it's a weird role. name for a for a baby. That's a weird baby name. <laughs> Think about that. You don't want that. You don't want to be Devin the baby. That's hard to sell. <laughs> um, but anyway, Devin asked, he said, I got a topic for your next show. Which Hall of Fame class is the best class? I turn that question to you now, Dan Hanzoos. What is the best? Go ahead and look them up there okay. at profootballhof.com. You can look them all up there, and uh, I'm looking at them as we speak. Spe you know, throw it at me here, fellas. Well, the one that jumped out to me, and uh, as we talked about before we went on today, I'm, you know, I'm a little younger, so some of the older classes maybe I don't connect with. But the one that jumped out to me immediately was the class of 93. Quality class, we have Dan Fouts, mm -hmm. Larry Little, Chuck Knoll, Walter Payton, and Bill Walsh. That's pretty killer. Uh, and then I like that one a lot, and here's why. I, I think you have to give that one a lot of consideration. Yeah, I have that one circled, too. Dan Fouts is probably one of the 15 best quarterbacks ever. Underrated. Uh, Chaz Knoll is the uh, – talk about underrated. Uh, slept on a little bit too much, but uh, Chaz Knoll, the emperor, who constructed mm. those four Super Bowl teams in the 70s, he's at worst should be one of the – he's the fifth best coach, third best coach, fourth, something like that. Bill Walsh is maybe the first or second best coach ever, and Walter Payton's the first or second best running back. That's a tough one to argue with. Uh, the other one that jumped out to me, class of 99, you had Eric Dickerson – Tom Mack, Ozzie Newsom as a player, Billy Shaw, and LT. Like that LT, class. greatest OLB ever there. Ozzie Newsom, top four tight end of all time. Eric Dickerson, top four running back. Yep, that's a tough one to argue with. Can't say I saw Tom Mack play in his prime, so I can't re really right. weigh in on that one. But that's pretty good. I'm a little younger than you, as you point out <laughs> unnecessarily. But I'll tell you, Mel Blunt. You're younger than me? I mean older than you, okay. creepo. <laughs> Here's when you get into the sweet spot if you're a Steelers fan. Yeah, that, those uh, late 80s, early 90s, you start going, one, you know, every year you have at least one. But, yeah, you go like 89, Mel Blunt and Terry Bradshaw go in. Art Shell and Willie mm. Wood. What do you think about, by the way, This I, I thought this was interesting. Gil Brandt, the great Gil Brandt, the, Gil Brandt, the architect of those Legend. Cowboys teams in the 60s and 70s and 80s. He said that the greatest Hall of Famer, the greatest quarterback in the Hall of Fame currently is Roger Staubach. Listen, he's terrific, Brant, but that's that's cockamamie, right? Wow. That's homerism. I, I said yeah. I tweeted back that I would put Montana ahead of him, Marino ahead of him, maybe Bradshaw. I didn't see Unitas play, but all things point to him probably being a superior guy and Troy Aikman. How say you? I would put Steve Young ahead of him. Mm, yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, John, that's John close. Elway's tougher. Elway, that's who else you know, I had in there. Yeah, Elway I had there. I think you have to think about him. Is that right? So you don't agree with uh, – Well, I think Starback, yeah. I mean, the guy, if the production, maybe the, the team production over the personal production, but he was, you know, one of the all-time greats. But to say that he's the best – I mean, isn't that basically saying the best quarterback ever is Roger Starback? 
I, well, unless you think that Tom Brady or Peyton Manning and mm. I and Gil Brandt does have his affection for Peyton Manning, he he holds him up as the best. So I think that probably he'll say Peyton Manning. Yeah, which throws his opinion sort of. I I, <laughs> I reject his opinions on QB and if that's the case. But here, let me throw another one at you real quick. Raheem Include Moore. Roger Staubach. Raheem, oh uh, yeah, well, see, see, that's right. See? I forgot you swan. I, I forgot you went in the direction of. Oh, by the way, that reminds me, new NFL coming up for you before the season starts, and it does in fact involve Raheem Moore. Thank you for that reminder. There, people yes. have been tweeting. When's the next NFL? We got one coming up for you soon, and it involves Raheem Moore. But how about that class of '85? Staubach, Pete Rozelle, the man. Mm. primarily responsible for bringing the NFL into, yes, the Sables deserve a great deal of credit. Um, the 58th championship game, by all accounts, had a lot of influence. But Pete Rozelle, more than anybody else, apparently, is the reason why football is where it is. If you read your NFL history, your pro football history, you'll see that's the case. So, obviously, he's in there. Joe Namath, one of the better quarterbacks ever. People like to say he's overrated, but all right. Whatever. He's obviously pretty high up there. And then the juice, O.J. Simpson. Yeah, people forget because juice has so damaged his reputation. Right? He has? So, Why? What's he been up to? Something happened uh, with a waiter. But – with OJ was a waiter. You know, he he's one of the greatest players ever and no one even thinks about that anymore. Uh if you go through his numbers, the statistics he was putting up in 14 game seasons. So, that one actually, that class of 85 uh probably is tops for me too now that I look at it. And I that, like talking about it's funny, yeah, that 85 one is good. It's funny with the juice specifically. I like to talk about periodically if you're a fan of a team, what's the best jersey and the worst jersey to own? Um, just for cool factor, right. walking around the stadium. And I, this isn't, hey, if you're a Patriots fan, Tom Brady, because everybody's going to have a Tom Brady, and then you're not special. You want one that's cool, one that threads the needle a little bit. Mm. If you go to Rich Stadium, or I don't know if it has a, a now-sponsored name attached to it up in Buffalo, if you it's go to Ralph that Wilson. stadium, you're not – oh, that's right. They did yeah. change it to Ralph Wilson. All right, it's fine. Throw it in my face so you know <laughs> something. So, But listen – if you go to if you go to Ralph Wilson Stadium, I'm sure you're not going to see a ton of 32 Simpson jerseys. It's also the worst jersey, though, because it's, yeah. it's a stain. Obviously, it, I think it's a way to stamp yourself as like an individual. It's like when my sister back during the trial in '95 was the only person in my whole family that was saying OJ was innocent, and I think she it was like teenage rebellion <laughs> that she was, was doing it. And then it's years weird. later, she was like, "No, he was absolutely guilty." That's a weird thing to stand. It was on a there. weird move, by yeah. Shay. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go, I think I got to go 85. I, your, your offerings are, are, uh, well considered, but I think I have to stick yeah. with where I started out, uh, started out with there. 1991, the only time a kicker gets in there, Jan Stenerud, along with Earl Campbell, John Hanna, mm -hmm. arguably the greatest guard of all time, and Tex Schramm. A significant figure in uh, obviously Cowboys history. There, hey, drop me a line uh, hashtag at DDFP and uh, and maybe we'll run your results. I'm going to cobble together my list of maybe the top ten or so. Maybe we could do that on the round the league. Have a, one mm. of the organic email debates that you and Rosenthal, yes, and we would love Wessling and Sessler do that. Maybe you'll invite me on your podcast someday. That would be awesome too. Prima. By das. the way, our... oh, who's a who? Dave? Who? I don't. Oh, yes, I. <laughs> I remember him. Yes, <laughs> we are. We are on the iTunes page now. You could download and subscribe. Also, we are on the new and noteworthy page on iTunes podcast section. So, a lot of excitement over uh, over on the spinoff. And you're the host, huh? You're uh, sort of like the guy who does the ins and outs. I, you know, I'm trying to take the reins of the podcast. You know, I'm not sure if there's going to be much of a fight, but so far, I've been the one ins and outs guy. Wow, it's kind of like the battle for the Jets QB spot, isn't it? Yeah, unimpressive. Like, well, we have. We have a lot of guys who we could do it. I mean, do we love any of them? Nah, I guess let's just go with Hanzus. That's I'm sort of Gino Smith that's, in this equation. That's Rex Ryan in the coach's room. Like, who are we going to go? Sanchez? All right, let's just go with Sanchez. That's how it's going to be. All right, Hanzus, scram. It's time right. to talk fantasy football. You hear the music. He has now become synonymous with it. He is the voice of pro football fantasy talk, not just here at the NFL Network at NFL.com, but across the land. I'm speaking, of course, about fantasy Hall of Famer Michael Fabiano. What's the poop, fella? How's it going, my man? 
Well, it's going a well? Yeah, it's a pleasure to see you. Going better for me than it is for Riley Cooper and for his teammates. <laughs> and things are also going well for me because I root for a baseball team named the Pittsburgh Pirates. And, I'll say you. And typically you can't say that. No, typically I, it's I like, haven't said it uh, since I was uh, I since I was a youth. Pittsburgh Pirates. But How do you year, explain yourself? We're better than your Yankees and better than the Angels of Adam Rank. That's true. Who spent three hundred sixty million dollars on three players. I, I thought of you today. I was on the double coverage podcast with Steve Weish, and guess who we interviewed? Who's that? Le'Veon Bell. Ooh. And he was very good. If you can get him on the Dave Damashek football program, I would uh I, I got to do that. Yeah, that's advise good... that. He is very good and had a lot of good things to say. Says that he's a good pass protector and he's picking up the offense and uh it, he he hopes that the Steelers utilize him in that dual threat running and and receiving. Well, I, I like think, him. I'll tell you what. You know, this is something legitimately that I have been forecasting since the end of 2012 or in fact Prior, come to think of it, prior to 2012, I felt that Todd Haley, when he was coming in there, wanted to turn them into more of a running team. And it's not just Todd Haley. I think the hiring was made by the Roonies to try and achieve that, to get back to, for better or worse, old school Steeler fans really do like that identity of the ground yeah. and pound and mm-hmm. the good defense and all that. I do think that they're going to do that. We'll talk about Levy and Bell and, uh, and the rest of the AFC North. At a later date. Today, let's get into the NFC East. Riley Cooper and company's Philadelphia Eagles. Right. Let's talk about those teams. And uh, by the way, if you want to change from this, um, we we can, Fabiano. I defer to you. But last week, you can go back and listen to Fabs along with Marcus Grant came in here. And we're going two divisions at a time, working through them. It's just a way to take a look at these. We're trying to give a nice, clean way mm-hmm. to look at your fantasy team as you're as you're getting ready to make your draft pick. So we figured let's do two divisions at a time. We're talking about the big names within them. If you have a better approach, so be it. But a couple of people tweeted and said, that makes no sense. I'm not in a divisional fantasy league. We're talking about them in... Broad right. terms. Exactly. I'm talking about them necessarily. I'm here for you, Damashek. Whatever right. you want to do, however you want to format things, I'm here for you, brother. I like your attitude, and I would like you to talk to Black Tie about uh, about uh, mimicking that. What I say goes. You hear? He's in the Fantasy Hall of Fame, and he says whatever you need. You see that, Black Tie? That's the way you need to be. <laughs> I no response, creep. His anyway, mic isn't working. He's probably Facebooking. Probably. All right, listen. Now let's talk. NFC East, let's mm-hmm. talk about, first of all, those Eagles. Mike Vick, I think at the end of the day, he's going to be the starter there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess Nick Foles is a possibility, but I guess until we have a, 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 a proper announcement, we don't need to indulge it too much. But what do you think about whether whoever is uh, pulling the trigger there, who do you think is... The I mean, do, do you figure Deshaun Jackson can still thrive without Jeremy Macklin out there, or is double coverage going to really bring him down? Because I don't know that I well, I know I don't see him as a true number one. I don't either. If there isn't other, if there aren't other considerations for a secondary to right. worry about, and maybe defenses don't even have to double him. They may be more inclined to load up the box because they're going to run the football mm-hmm. so much, but. I've never been a big fan of Deshaun Jackson from a fantasy perspective. He's a great player. He makes plays on the field, but so inconsistent, and especially over the last couple of years, he's been a guy that you can barely start with any with, with any reliability. He's he's killed you, and it's a, it's a good thing that he's going to see more targets now uh, due to the unfortunate injury to Jer- uh, to Jeremy Macklin. But I'm not moving him up to top ten or top twenty. I say he's a number three fantasy wide receiver, mm-hmm. and that's it. Until no. he proves me wrong. I Well, listen, it's really Chip Kelly proving you wrong. And, and uh, you know, our pal Akbar is very high on what Chip Kelly's going to do with NFL offenses. Mm-hmm. Then again, you talk to guys like Heath Evans who say this is going to be a complete bust. So it's very interesting to see what happens there. As a rule, I'm going to avoid all Philadelphia Eagles, with the exception, obviously, of Shady McCoy. Right. He figures to have a nice season. Do you figure he is – where do you slot him among running backs this year? Uh, he's definitely – Definitely top seven. He'll be a first-round pick without a doubt. Maybe uh, a top five pick in a PPR league. Well, where are you taking him? Uh, I'm taking him probably seventh, I would say, if I'm in a standard. Seventh? Wow, seventh that's, that's not very impressive. That's good. Like, seventh out of, out of 192 picks. If wait you're in a, a second. League? You go Peterson right one, Arian Foster two, Lynch. Lynch three, Rice four, Doug Martin five, 
Charles six and McCoy seven. What's wrong with seven? I don't think Ray Rice has a great year. I think that everyone's so down on Ray. I'm Rice not down for some on reason. him. I think that Bernard Pierce is going to get a ton of touches this year. I don't know about a ton. I don't know about a ton. We'll see what a happens. Ton, what, what, and it, remember that offense third, now is barren at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, there's no Anquan Bolden, there's no Dennis Pitta. Maybe Rice sees more opportunities out of the backfield as a pass catcher. I, I still have faith in him. I, I, I really do. Well, obviously, Chip Kelly, if we're looking at what uh, the results were in Oregon, mm-hmm. a lot of running backs have had big years. You know, they, they are featured. I think well, we, Michael James. Yeah, I think we perceive the the Chip Kelly Oregon offense to be all about, uh, you know, guys catching and running. But mm-hmm. I think that the running backs, obviously, if you look at the numbers, uh, Sh- Shady McCoy yeah, is positioned to have you, a nice You can make year. an argument that Bryce Brown could take just as yeah. many touches from, from Shady as Bernard Pierce from Ray Rice. I just don't see it. I just, especially in Baltimore, I just don't see it. All right, Dallas Cowboys. Tony Romo. We just had uh, our our pal E. H. Elliot Harrison in here. Mm-hmm. One of the great Romo apologists. The under, greatest potentially. Yeah, maybe. I like Tony Romo, but just strictly from a fantasy perspective, mm-hmm. he is a guy who. Oh, this is what I don't like in my fantasy quarterbacks. One week he gives me 35, the next week he gives me 11. Tony Romo does that too much in my book. He, I know at the end of the Down season the you look at the numbers. and he was good. I know, but that's the point. So what? I, and believe me, I had him on my team, so I know how he mm-hmm. plays. He has a good week or two, but then he'll swoon for literally like five or six weeks, and it's unsatisfying. And then at the end of the year you look at his numbers, and they do stack up in the top seven or eight in fantasy yeah. points. I'm talking strictly. But I, this is a guy I don't like. What I like the QBs. I like a dependable, you know, low twenties, mid twenties out of the position. Right. I still think Romo is a top twelve quarterback, and that's because the the position is so deep. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's, it's unreal deep, uh, especially this season when you're talking Boy, about. I am not touching a guys QB. Like, everybody, everybody, I know. Let him take him. I tell you another guy, Jay Cutler. I'll take Jay Cutler like this year. Cutler, I think to, he's going to have a good year. One? He could be my one. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's my strategy. Here's my strategy this year in general. I think I'm going to now because I usually take a a QB and sometimes I don't even take a backup and then I just grab one off the waiver wire before the season starts. This year I'm going the other way. I think I'm just going to do quantity. I'm going to go try to get a guy like Jay Cutler and a couple other guys, some wild card guys, and Mm -hmm. I'm not going to overspend for one because I'm in an auction league. For one thing, but I'm gonna, but I'm not gonna reach on any QB. I mean, there, no. there's no one who I'm gonna go out and get. I'm gonna fill up the other positions, and then I'll go worry about. We QB. had an auction mock draft that'll be on NFL.com next week, and the quarterback values towards the end of that auction were ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's great. Well, you saw, I, I waited it out, and I got, uh, who all did, did I get? I can't remember off the top of my head. We did one, yeah, it'll be on NFL.com. It'll be on NFL.com next soon. week. Right. Um, but yeah, I, that's what I did. I grabbed, I think, three QBs is exactly the approach I took, and I think they're all guys. Maybe Jay Cutler isn't going to work out, but if you go Jay Cutler and say like Sam Bradford or someone like that, mm-hmm. and one other guy, one of those guys is going to be productive you enough that you could. Oh, I had Eli Manning. Roethlisberger, Eli Manning. I got Eli Manning for two dollars. Right, and uh, Cutler's on there too. You look, you took like ten quarterbacks. All right, well, let's talk about Eli Manning. Oh, well, before we move to Eli, let's t- yeah. let's round out with the Cowboys. Des mm-hmm. Bryant. Legit number one receiver yes. in fantasy this year, obviously for the Cowboys as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Des Bryant, where does he slot for you among wide receivers in general? Second behind Calvin Johnson. Wow. Second behind Calvin Johnson. It's very close because Megatron is going to be the first wide receiver drafted sure. in every league, um, unless it's a league of all Cowboys fans, and maybe Des Bryant will go ahead of him. But you've got A.J. Green mm-hmm. and Des and Brandon Marshall. Uh, and Brandon, those, that's those funny. Are, those are the top three guys behind. Calvin Johnson. Dez is young. I still think he has some ceiling left there after that big year in 2012. So, and Romo started on the football. The Cowboys defense, I don't know how much better it's going to be under Monty Kiffin uh, than it was last year under Ryan. So, we'll see what happens. I think the Cowboys are going to score points. Uh, I don't know that they're going to be a very good team. That's just the pessimistic Cowboys fan in me. But, uh, Dez has got all the upside in the world and all the talent in the world. You know who now he's got his seal? head s- sort of screwed on straight, too. Yeah, relatively speaking. So relatively speaking. Um, the guy who I like is DeMarco Murray. I understand major risk. You're a guy who right. touted Ryan Matthews for way too long, and I would berate you for doing so. Yes, to me, thanks for reminding me. DeMarco Murray, though, this is a guy. There's no evidence that Ryan Matthews, if he's healthy, is going to be dynamite. There's a, yeah. a, a, And yet people continue to look at him in that regard. Maybe this will be his year. 
but at least DeMarco Murray has done it. DeMarco Murray has strung together a, a, a stretch where, you, where that really is enticing. Ryan Matthews he, has never done that. DeMarco Murray, if he's to, listen, if you build your team around him, you're in trouble. Yes. But I definitely think that he's going to slide because of his. The, it's not perception; it's the reality mm-hmm. that he's always hurt. Yep. But I think he maybe slides to the fourth round. As a is that realistic to think he yes. falls that far? Uh, third or fourth round. I don't think you'll you'll see him slide any further than the fourth round. But I mean, Murray is the guy who. Correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't he hold the single game record for rushing yards in Cowboys franchise history? That sounds right. Yeah, 253, I believe it was, against the Rams a couple years ago. I mean, Tony Dorsett, Emmitt Smith. There's been some pretty good running backs in Dallas, and he does have all the talent in the world. It's that caveat with him being prone to injuries, and I I would caution people out there who think that Joe Randall's going to be his handcuff because right now it looks like Lance Dunbar is number two on the depth chart. Mm. He's outplayed Randall in training camp thus far. And that's going to be something you want to look at because Murray, as we said, has been injury prone. But you're right, Dave. The talent's there. He's just got to stay out of the trainer's room. Um, All right. Eli Manning, where do you slot him among QBs? You know, he's dropped down. Last year was a disappointing year for Eli Manning. The year before, remember... He was a pretty good fantasy quarterback. Mm-hmm. It was maybe his best year. I won my fantasy, fantasy league a couple years ago with Eli Manning. I, I mean, I, I've got him as a, as a high-end, too. Uh, he's 13th. It would be great to see Hakeem Nick stay healthy for an entire season. I think Brandon Myers is going to make a nice yeah. impact. The new addition from Oakland at the tight end position. David got Wilson Victor catches Cruz balls. There. I mean, the, everything right? points to them uh, exactly. throwing the ball a ton. But again, it's, like, it, it's one of those things where the position is so deep that... Mike Vick's going to be a number two. We we did a draft uh, earlier in the in, in the season where we had what Romo and Ryan were both backups. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's how deep the position is. So a guy like Eli, a guy like Michael Vick, who have been number ones in the past, suddenly they're number twos. And the, the good thing is that there's there's a little risk if you're drafting Eli to be your two or Vick right. to be your two. You're not leaning on them. And uh, so if they falter, it's not going to kill you as much because you've already drafted a number one quarterback. And, yeah, if you're an optimist, you know, look, if if Chip Kelly is right, Mike Vick is a really interesting gambler. Yeah, he is. Two. I mean, he could be obviously the top in the mm-hmm. top three at the position. It wasn't that long ago that he was, the you know, that when he emerged back with the Eagles. Yep. Remember those numbers. And if you see him sitting there and you're still in need of a backup QB, yeah. I, would, I guess I would reach on him now that I, I just said I wouldn't go with any – uh, Eagles, but if he is the starting QB there, um, so yes, I like David Wilson. Who mm-hmm. are you taking, Hakeem Nix or Victor Cruz? Cruz, uh, but it's because Nix can't stay healthy. We've even heard rumblings in training camp already about him having some some uh, injury issues. And the thing that I like is that you know he's got a, he's got a, a veteran quarterback under center, Eli Manning. He's got a good weapon on the opposite side there, Victor Cruz, so defenses aren't always going to put the mm-hmm. coverage towards him. And he's in a contract year. That's a big one. He's got to, Those he, guys. He's got to stay on the field and producing the stat sheets or he's not going to get paid. Yeah, they magically get very productive uh, right. in those contract years. Um, I say Hakeem Nix because, as you know, I'm a fantasy snob. I, Hakeem Nix is the superior talent in he the is. real world, and that's why I will always uh, roll the and dice if he didn't have with the, Nix. if he didn't have the pronus to injury, I'd have him ranked ahead of Cruz, too, but they're close. I got news for you, as I always say. Akeem Nix is one of the five best receivers in the NFL. He just is never on the field, but he's yes. uh, he, he is the total package That's his there. Problem. Um, lastly, Redskins, RG3, if he mm-hmm. looks right, then, of course, we want to jump on him. Yep. Otherwise, I think Alfred Morris is a reasonable gamble. I don't think he can reproduce those numbers because they were pretty lofty last year, but I think yep. he's a, a nice, dependable option. Mm-hmm. Any of those pass catchers strike your fancy? Does Pierre Garçon? I like Garçon. Again, it seems like we have the same topic here. Injury prone guys. Yeah, Garcon. It looks like he's fine now. He had the foot problems last year when but he, he doesn't have the pedigree. On the field, you know? he was ridiculously good. I remember he him was, just yeah. destroyed the Cowboys last year on Thanksgiving Day. But you want a sleeper out of that Redskins yes. pass attack? Fred Davis. He's coming off an yes. Achilles. He actually has has looked really good in camp. Uh, I've seen reports that he doesn't look like he was ever hurt, and he's in a contract year too. And with the tight end position being an absolute mess this year, Dave, mm-hmm. it's a tough we, one. we don't know what's going on with Gronkowski. Antonio Gates and Brent Selleck have fallen. Aaron Hernandez is no longer in the mix. Dennis Pitt is out for the year. Fred Davis could be a nice late-round sleeper for you at the tight end spot. All right. Let's now just quickly turn to the AFC West here. There's not a ton, really, to talk about. The Raiders are in the division. That's the reason why you don't have to bother <laughs> with them. Darren McFadden, I'm officially done with that. I, you know, Would listen. you draft him if you can get him as a flex starter, though? I would. 
If yeah, I can get him as a, as a high end three. In what round are we talking about? Uh, you're probably going to have to take him in the fourth or fifth. No, I would not take. Okay. I, I would not take McFadden any okay. higher than maybe the f- fifth round, depending on how things have shaped up uh, yeah. ahead of that. Maybe mm-hmm. the Chargers. I think Phil Rivers is going to. You know, we talked to Ladanian Tomlinson again. Uh, you can go back and listen to that one. Um, you know, they are going to throw. Uh, they're going to be throwing a lot more high percentage throws than he was than he was the last few years under North Turner. There, maybe that spells something for Ryan Matthews. I assume you're finally going to have enough. Oh, dignity I'm off. I was off him. last. I was I off the bandwagon. Uh, but you, you're still interested. You still consider him Foxy. He's 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 a good uh, looking if I woman. I can get him as my fourth who, running back. Maybe you're one of those ones who keeps hanging in there on like, like a woman who yeah she she's gained I think she's gained ten pounds yeah but she still looks pretty good. That's your way with <laughs> not, Ryan Matthews. Not not as anything more than a four. I'll take him as a fourth running back. That's it, man. Where do you slot Gates in among the tight ends? You know he's top twelve, but he's towards the end of that. And he's it's had amazing, to, huh? He's had to move up a little bit because of all the injuries and things that are going on in the position. But I, you can't trust him. Clearly, he's past his prime. The last two years, he's done nothing but be inconsistent. Last year, he was barely even uh, an option for fantasy owners in, in a prominent role because he just wasn't producing. He's just like Phil Rivers. Those two guys, their value has really fallen at the same time in tandem. The Kansas City Chiefs, the OC, mm-hmm. says that Alex Smith is the best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, that feels like hyperbole. Now, I, I did spend a dollar on him. That's the other guy <laughs> in our auction draft. I got Alex Smith. This is a guy who has little risk. It's low risk to take him. No one's mm-hmm. going to fall all over themselves to get Alex Smith yep. anywhere. And he's going to be running the pistol, essentially. I mean, Chris Alt is the guy who created it. Right. He's the guy who coached Colin Kaepernick. In uh, in college, now he's there. I you know, listen, Jamal Charles behind him. Everything says late to rounds, me, late round flyer as a two and a potential matchup starter. And he's got uh, the second easiest schedule Bo, based on fantasy Mo-yaki. points at quarterbacks. But uh, listen, what, wait, what Baldwin. About, I said John. Baldwin. I want to know what you think of Baldwin this year. Well, listen, it I'm, looks like he's going to start at least. Well, he started last year and did nothing. But but look, they they have talent. Is the point? Sure. All over there, Andy Reid, you know, knows how to to be. Look with Donovan McNabb. Why can't Alex Smith do that? I, I think he's going to have a good year. I, I just think. I think he's a quarterback position. So you deep. don't think he's a top twelve guy though. No. Statistic. I'm just talking end of the season. I know that no, you, you don't want to. Put- I, I I would say he could get to the top 15. No, no, no. You watch. But top you watch. 12. Listen to what Damashek tells you now, Fabiana. Yeah. Here's one of my a lot of good quarterbacks, man. Top 10. Top 10 in fantasy right. points. Um, Jamal well, Charles, of course, is, is he's dynamite. Been, he, he's you been definitely drinking want, whatever Doug Peterson's been you drinking. Definitely want, uh, you definitely want Jamal Charles in the top five. You're right about that. The, yep. Like I've said before, I say again to you now, his only problem Jamal Charles was having the season he had in the same year Adrian Peterson came back from his knee injury. Sure. Look at what Jamal Charles did. Over <laughs> 1,500 Any yards. other year, it would have been, you know, we would have been swooning over what he put together on a bum team. Lastly, the Broncos, Peyton Manning. I'm not too hip on him. He's old. Who knows what's going to happen? You talk about risks. Listen, the guy's an old man now at this point. He's had a, a has a bum neck. That's a pretty good risk Where to are you take, putting though. Him? Where are you putting him? Top five? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's top five. Top he's, what? I've got Rodgers, Breeze, Manning, Newton, Brady. Hmm. All right. Bold. The, the, I like, I mean, I, the I hear you. he's got is ridiculous. Losing his center will definitely hurt, uh, but they'll make up for it somehow or another. The running back situation, I don't regardless love of who ball. it is, you yeah, you don't they're know going to be. have a running game. I mean, Willis McGahee was past his prime and played pretty well for that team. And even no Sean Marino last year. I know. And Ronnie Hillman, well. everybody's getting too excited about Monty Ball. That's my takeaway. Don't get don't, yeah, I don't, still think uh, he's the best back on that team. He but. might be, but we don't know. We haven't seen him play yet in the NFL. And, you know, I, I'm not willing to say definitely you want to make – some people look at Monty Ball as the number one running back, and I, I definitely don't. Really? Uh, guy I mean, I'm not over. talking about in real life. I'm oh, talking in oh, fantasy. Oh, On no. my fantasy team, oh, I, I do either. not want him no. to be my best running he, back. He should be a, a flex starter. All oh, the, okay. all all right, the all rookies, right. like no, Le'Veon Bell, Bell. You watch. Bell's going to no, have a big year. But you year. draft him as a three, right? You, you draft him as a three. You draft Ball not as a three. I'm taking Lacey him as a, as a three. Okay. I'm taking Bell in I the love, third round. Listen, I like him. Third round? Yeah. Wow. Okay. You wait. I'll, I, well, we'll, well see. I, I'm going to do that. You're going to get him because I'm not going to take him. In the you third really round. don't think anybody's going to go for a guy no. who's the clear cut no. three down back? Not in the third round. Um, all right. How do you give me uh, last thing? Rank for me the order that you're going to draft the Broncos pass catchers. 
Uh, well, Demarius Thomas is number one, dude. I, the, listen, as nothing, what a second round or third round? Second round, number one fantasy wide receiver, uh, top eight, no doubt about that. Two, I'm going Welker, and three, I'm going Decker. And Welker and Decker are both going to see their their fantasy production decline compared to what they did last year. There's no doubt about that. Decker had what 13 touchdowns. That's not happening again. Welker's not having 100 catches. So as long as you draft these guys based off of what they're projected to do and not what they did last year. As twos, I think you're in good shape. Can I tell you something? Yeah. Eric Decker's the second best. You if think you, so? If, you, if your league fa- values touchdowns, mm-hmm. then you want Decker because Decker is six foot three. Even if he doesn't catch as many balls overall, his area of expertise is at six foot three and those, right. and those terrific hands. He is a great red zone Peyton target. He loves to throw to those slot receivers, though, man. He loves to throw to those slot receivers. Loves it. Right. Listen, Fabiano I think Decker, knows. Th- I think Decker will score more touchdowns than Welker. All right. But yardage and receptions, I think Welker gets the nod there. All right. I'm going Decker over, but I agree with you about Demarius Thomas. Yeah, um, love him. All right. Fabiano, it's an exciting time of the year. It's like, it's like I always say. Just as uh, as April is the tax man's busy season, this is Fabiano's busy season. Um, and make sure you check out at NFL.com slash fantasy the genius. Oh, right? yeah. The genius is is unbelievable. A new fantasy football community. Get your fantasy questions answered in real time right then when you post it by millions and millions of fantasy football fans just like yourself. I sounded like a commercial there. See what they do? They drill all the products into you my head, You condescend Dave. to me when you say just like yourself. You're calling me a fan. I'm an expert, sir. Well, I'm not. All right. <laughs> I haven't won my fantasy league in, uh, in more You than, do just fine. I do fine because I going to take Levy and Bell. I'm going to have a good 2013. All right. Michael Fabiano, as we approach uh, kickoff for the regular season, we'll continue to yap with him. And of course, you can find him kibitzing about this, that, and the other when it comes to fantasy at NFL.com slash fantasy. Thanks, Fabiano. Thanks, brother. What a pleasure. All right. And with that, I think that's the end of what was a very full and uh, and rangy show from Hanzoos to Sharper to Fabiano. One big happy NFL family. I don't care what Riley Cooper tries to do to drive a wedge between us. We are a family, like I say. We'll be back with more Huey and Applesauce for you next week. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.